Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we can gather as your people, um, especially in this safe country, which is Australia. And we do pray as we uh, read through, uh, feed on your word, that we will be energized for your kingdom mission. And a part of that kingdom mission is crushing idols, Lord. And so we do pray that you refine our faith this morning. Amen. Well, last week in Hosea, God revealed the depth of Israel's sin by providing us with some images. And I focused on three of these images. Israel is like a morning mist. Israel's lust is like an overheated oven. And Israel's repentance is like a faulty bow. But before we explore Hosea 8 today, it would be helpful to look at one more image from the last chapter. Israel is like a silly dove. A silly dove. And I want you to look at Hosea chapter 7, verse 11. I'm going to read it. Ephraim, which is another name for Israel, is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling to Egypt, now turning, turning to Assyria. But what is so silly about a dove? Well, I did some research this week and I discovered why doves are so silly. Um, when hunters go out to hunt down doves, the, the dove will see the threat coming and come out out of its nest and walk around with a broken wing. But then it, will, it won't stop there. The dove will actually go closer and closer to its nest to try and um, get the hunters to think that the nest is not close by. They then let, let the, the, the hunters in and sadly, the dove is easily captured and is reckless with its own offspring. Doves are silly creatures, easily deceived, senseless. And likewise, by calling out to Egypt and by turning to Assyria, the surrounding threats of Israel, the people of Israel tried to seek protection from their enemies. They turned to them for salvation, refuge, Security, strength. And this is idolatry at the core. Turning to things for help other than God. The ultimate life, salvation, safety. As, and and I, idolatry can be um, defined as Tim Keller, one pastor, defined it. Idolatry is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Assyria became Israel's idol, her God of protection. While Israel believed that this strategy would save her life, this is in fact an act of complete stupidity. Assyria was hunting down mindless doves like Israel. Israel is a silly dove due to her idolatry. And this brings us to the passage for today, Hosea chapter 8. Hosea tells us that there is an eagle, another bird, an eagle of prey hovering over the people of Israel. An eagle that is ready to strike down this little dove. God declares that this eagle, the nation of Assyria, is going to invade the land because the people have broken the covenant agreement between them and God 
and rebelled against God's good law. But despite the reality of this horrifying evasion to come, Israel will sadly remain dead in her affections for God. Israel will not turn to God for life, for security. Israel will remain deluded, mindless, foolish. Israel will remain a silly dove. And God will respond to their stupidity with judgment, invasion. And I want to unpack three of the points from this text today. The judgment will be horrifying, verses 2 to 6. The judgment will be devouring, verses 7 to 10. And the judgment will be enslaving, verses 11 to 14. And as we reflect upon these three features of God's judgment, we'll see that idolatry is simply crazy. We'll just, say, we'll just think idolatry, worshipping other things, turning to other things other than God is just crazy, madness. The worst thing you could ever do. And so I want to look at this first point. Israel will experience a horrifying judgment. As already mentioned, a vicious eagle is hovering over the nation, ready to swoop down, ready to clutch its claws into Israel. While eagles primarily eat fish, I've learned today that they also eat doves and other small reptiles and mammals even. It's a horrifying image here, an image that Moses predicted centuries earlier in Deuteronomy 28 verses 49. Let me read what Moses said. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down a nation whose language you will not understand a fierce-looking nation with no respect for the old or pity for the young. This eagle, Assyria, is hungry, ruthless, one without compassion, ready to hunt down and capture Israel. And seeing the power of Assyria fast approaching, Israel will cry out in verse 2, Oh, our God, we acknowledge you. But is it genuine? Hands up if you think it's genuine. No one? Not one? Well, you're right. It wasn't genuine because look at the next verse. We see that they had rejected what is good. And that we also see in verse 4 that they took silver and gold and made idols for themselves. Right after they announced that they were repenting, turning back to God, acknowledging God. And so their acknowledgement of God was complete nonsensical. They didn't even bring their hearts to God at all. They didn't really turn to God. And so verse 3 tells us, the enemy will pursue the nation. We learn a little lesson here. False repentance is still a serious problem today, just like it was back then. If we declare, Lord Jesus, save me from the chains of sin, but there's no change in us, I sometimes wonder, has God really rescued that person from sin and death? I ask myself, has that individual responded to the saving work of Christ in a heartfelt, life-giving, authentic way? The reason why I'm cautioned is because over the last seven years, I guess, six, seven years, I've been a part of large youth events, Respond, seen students respond to the gospel, repent of their sin, turn away from their idols, 
And then months or years later, I look at these very teenagers who made that decision to follow Jesus and they're no longer walking the way of Christ Jesus. They've actually appeared to have turned to Christ then turned back to the very things in which they were saved from. And thinking of these beloved friends, seeing their faces on my mind fills me with great sorrow. There was a point in my life where I saw all my friends walk away from Jesus and it just made me cry at night. I went through youth group with them. Um, six of us, all, all, all males, loving Jesus, committing to him. As soon as we finished school, they all walked away from Jesus. And as I see the fruit in their lives now, I see a group of men who have a broken relationship with God and his people, investing all their time in beer, work and sport. And they even sadly profane the name of Jesus verbally and also through their disobedience. I fear that their acknowledgement of God was like Israel, flawed at the core. And it just makes me, <laughs> yeah, I get really sad about it. I do. I pray that God will save them. From their sin. And so for the sake of our souls, I want you to hear this caution. The consequence of an unrepentant heart are the horrors of judgment. On the last day, the day of the Lord, we will all stand before the throne of God and have to make an account before God. God will see us and he'll say, and he'll say to you, did you turn to me? Was your faith genuine? And as he asks that question, he already knows the answer. And my prayer for you guys is that you'll say, I love Jesus. He's my saviour, not these idols around me. That's my prayer. Amen? Is that, and that's my, yeah, that's my prayer. I just pray that you will have that longing to turn to Christ if you haven't done already. And so if you're horrified by judgment, the only solution is true repentance, turning away from idols to worship Christ, our true saviour. And I'll take you to the second point here. Israel will experience a devouring judgment. In their idolatry, Israel will soon reap what she has sown. And to illustrate um, this judgment for their idolatry, God says this in verse 7, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. When I think about this image, I often think, I just think of a farmer. He's got seeds. He's got soil right before him, which represents God. He's, rather than scattering his seeds in the good soil, he's scattering it into a hurricane. It's crazy. He's scattering it into a, a mighty wind, and it just blows the seed away. By sowing their lives into idols, Israel will actually reap their reward, a whirlwind. Running after false gods, the protection of Israel will produce no fruit. The nation will have no grain, no bread. To make matters worse, the, the things that they do so will be swallowed up by foreigners. In fact, verse 8 tells us that Israel will be swallowed up themselves. For as a nation in desperation, they will go up to Assyria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Verse 9. Israel will not turn to God for restoration. They'll turn to the eagle of prey. 
Oh, that's pretty crazy. They, rather than turning to God, who's a loving shepherd who, who cares for them, they turn to a wedge-tailed eagle and they just say, Come and take me, Assyria. It's madness. Israel sold herself to the nations. And through their stupidity, Israel will be devoured by Assyria, God's enemy, their idol, their false saviour. Friends, while Israel seems foolish for seeking refuge from their enemy, we should not laugh. Idols have the power to also devour us. Many idols in our culture have the power to really eat us. And to help illustrate the power of idols further, I want to take you, I want to share a story with you about a fox and a knife. A fox and a knife. And it's going to be pretty graphic, so get ready. A man one day caught a salmon, and after catching it, he hanged it up in front of his fire to smoke it out. After going inside to his cabin, he went back outside and saw that the, a fox had stolen his catch. And so he grabbed his fishy knife and put it in his freezer. And after the knife had frozen up with the fishy flesh still on it, um, there's a layer of ice around it. And so he put it outside, the knife, upright, and went back into the cabin. During the night, the fox returned. It smelled the scent. It was a lure to the knife. And the fox began to lick the knife. It was, it, it was seduced by the knife. And as the fox kept on licking that knife that tasted like salmon, he soon started to enjoy his own blood without realising it. Realising that his tongue was now cut off, the fox ran away in agony. The fox enjoyed his last meal ever. Friends, we are often the fox and the blade is our idol's. While our idols often have an aroma that seduces us, when they become the ultimate place of refreshment, security, meaning, salvation, they become a deadly force. Take alcohol, for example. If we heavily drink every night, this idol can soon give us liver disease, cancer, stomach ulcers, immune system dysfunctions, brain damage, malnourishment, osteoporosis, heart disease. While alcohol can relax us and act as a saviour for the short term, in the long term, the inside of our bodies begin to bleed from within, leaving us no respite at all. And then it becomes the opposite of a saviour. It becomes hell. Oh, how deadly and crazy idolatry is. We must therefore ask Christ with a heart deep of deep sorrow to save us from these idols which are really eating us alive today before it's too late. So, if you are, have you, if you've got something, an idol which is really getting at you, and causing you to get sick spiritually and physically, please talk to me uh, or one of the chaplains in the school, Nate, um, for help. We want to sit with you and guide you through the way of Jesus to slay that idol. I don't want you to be the fox devoured by the knife. I don't. 
I want you to turn to Jesus and find refreshment. Yeah? Yeah? Do we all have our idols, don't we? Books can be my idol. I just can just spend the whole day reading. It makes me get lazy sometimes. What's your idol? Three, Israel experienced an enslaving judgment. The ultimate reason for this judgment was because Israel had no room for God. These altars became places of sinning. Verse 11, they rejected the commandments of God. Verse 12, these laws were instituted to uphold justice, to protect the vulnerable and to cause human flourishing and also to promote God's glory. But since Israel rejected them, the nation adopted practices of the surrounding nations. They actually lost their identity. And we see here that now in chapter 9, verse 13, which I'm looking forward to next week to preach on, Israel will return to Egypt. Israel will be banished into slavery. It's a sad um, conclusion to the story. And so we learn another lesson here. Idols have the power also not just to devour us, but to enslave us. And to illustrate this point for today's world... Let me use the idol of work as an example. Work can become a slave master, a drug that gives us a daily endorphin, endorphin kick. And to please the false god of work, we may always say yes to new duties, even if we're just wrecked, exhausted. Then when this god makes us busy and tired, It also eats our soul and body alive. We begin to eat poorly. We begin to have sleepless nights because of the stress. We begin to avoid church fellowship, our daily Bible reading. But even though we know there's a problem here, we keep turning back to this slave master out of fear. We cry, what if I fail to reply to that email in time? I need to stay up. I need to stay at work an extra two hours to get that email done. What if I miss that job promotion? Oh, if only I could have an extra 20 grand a year. But I know it's going to take an extra 10 to 20 hours a week to get there. But, oh, wouldn't it be good? I'll be able to buy that flat screen TV. I'll be able to go to Hawaii every summer. It's going to be awesome. I need that job promotion. What if my lesson plan is average? And imagine if the principal walks in. While I'm teaching that half-baked lesson, what will you think? Will you think that I'm lazy? I need to work an extra three hours. Even though I'm going to put aside my family, I'm going to work an extra three hours to ensure that I am just the best teacher in this school. These cries likely reveal that we are in bondage to the chains of work, unable to escape its chains. And I feel that too. As my week grows in complexity, the more people I get to know, it's like, whoa, I need to also make sure that I stop so that I spend time with my family and Jesus, of course. And so my friends, I really encourage you to flee from idolatry. Keep yourselves from idols. If work is your slave master, try to overcome that, um, that drug. Break the chains of work by being prepared to say no to your boss when you have reached maximum capacity. This will... Also slay your ego, a sin that flows from the idol of work. 
you'll learn to be content upsetting people. And that's really hard in our culture where we like to please people and make everyone happy. You'll be at ease when you do not fulfill their expectations. To crush the idol of work, you could also set clear boundaries for work, family and recreation and worship. This will also free up time to disciple your kids, your grandkids, and for those things that you love doing like reading, dining, sleeping. You could also slay the God of work by keeping the Lord's Day, the Sunday, holy, by making sure every time you plan your week out, you ensure, yes, I'm going to prioritize God's people. That is the number one thing on my list each week. And I assure you, by doing that, you'll keep getting challenged by Hosea and you'll be refined in your faith. If we resist the need to do, 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 I assure you, we'll be nourished by the word of God, the praise of God each Sunday. This rhythm of Sunday worship will keep us centered on Christ for the week ahead, rather than the crazy idols in our life that enslave us. For the glory of Christ, I encourage you to flee from idols. And if you do, be assured, you'll never be called a silly dove like Israel. You won't. And friends, just finally, before I close this message off, we've identified idols today that can cause us to be devoured and enslaved. Yeah? I want to encourage you to continue to fix your eyes on Jesus. He should be the true um, focus of our lives, our true saviour, our true refuge, our true security. And so I'm going to pray right now. And if you want to just remind yourselves that he is your true God, then say amen at the end of this prayer. Heavenly Father, Israel, your people, are a silly dove. Rather than turning you for refuge, for salvation, they turn to their enemy, Assyria. It's horrifying, Lord. And that country, Assyria, devoured them, enslaved them. Lord, help us to identify the idols in our life that have the power to devour us and also enslave us. Lord, we do pray by fixing our eyes more and more on Jesus, you will liberate us, satisfy us, give us a sense of true salvation. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Okay. Let's see. Let us stand and reflect.